This is the Hope Church Mill Creek Podcast, and you're hearing the voice of lead pastor Josh Westmoreland. Hope Church Mill Creek is a church replant in the Hope Church family based out of Danville, Virginia. Our church specifically is in Roxboro, North Carolina, just about an hour north of Durham. Our family of Hope Churches has a total of 13 locations at this time along the Virginia-North Carolina border, mostly in smaller rural communities. Our uh, specific location has existed officially since January 22, when my family and I moved from Mississippi to lead this plant. We hope you enjoy this podcast and bring something away from it that helps you. If you do, it would help us greatly if you left a good review on Apple Podcasts or you just, you know, shared it. We wish you all the best, uh, grace and peace to all of you, and happy listening. I want you to imagine this. Riding down the road with somebody else driving. How many of you already have a problem doing that? All right. Y'all y'all familiar with that uh push your foot the fake brake? You, you know what I'm talking about? You're riding down the road. Um and the other person's driving. Can you turn me down just a little bit, Rita? Um, you're in the passenger seat and you're listening to, let's say, what's the best driving song? Can't drive 55? Shall we have a vote? All right, what's another one? What's another good driving song? Do what now? Mustang Sally? That's a good one. Yeah. Anyway, anything else? Black Betty. That song is so deep. There's just so many words. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. So imagine you're going down the road and you're. I'm going to just go back to Black Betty. Hey, Black Betty! And you're just driving down the road. You're having a great time. And man, that person, you know, they're driving. And man, you're just like, you know, you're doing that. And you're hitting the dash. You know what I'm talking about when you're really feeling it? It's just like, you know, you're just having a great time. Well, you're just in the moment, so you got your eyes closed. And then you open your eyes and you notice your driver, be it your husband, your wife, you know, God help us, your son or your daughter. And they're driving down the road. And all of a sudden, you notice that the car's a little bit, it's not, it's not quite off the road yet. But it's on the white line. You know what I mean? And you're just like, huh, you close your eyes. You know how you, the, we, we're, some of us are really good at pretending things aren't happening. And so it's just like, huh, but then you get nervous and you open your eyes and then the, the right wheel is across the line on the shoulder. And so you're like, huh, you know. You try not to say anything. You don't want to offend the driver. You know, it's just like, of course, they're competent. They got their driver's license. Go, of sure, sure, they know how to drive. You know, of course. Driving down. And then you open your eyes again, and you are completely off the road, imagine. And you're in the gravel, and you're doing that Dukes of Hazard. You're starting to do the Dukes of Hazard thing. You know what I mean? At what point 
do you grab the wheel? I mean, do you stop and say, oh dearie me, let us pray about this. Let us go to the Lord about this matter. Is that what you do? What do you do? What's the right intervention? You grab, do you, does it matter at that point when you think, my life is in danger, does it matter if you feel like you're going to offend the driver? What, you're just trying to survive, right? Okay. Here in the book of 1 Corinthians, that's pretty much what Paul's doing. Has anybody ever read through the book of 1 Corinthians before? Have you ever paid attention in the book of 1 Corinthians? There's a lot of problems with this uh, church. I mean, he is writing, he's dealing with, I'm, I'm just going to give you a few things they deal with in the book of 1 Corinthians. When, it's like, when the Apostle Paul has to write your church a letter because you're so messed up, red flag. So here's some things they deal with. We talked about this when we did communion last week a little bit. They were, they were participating in something called, I guess we could call it communion shaming. Imagine a meal where everybody in the church gets together and the people who have food and bring food say to the people who don't bring food or couldn't afford food, no, you can't have any of my peanut butter and jelly snacks. Sorry. And you just squirrel away and you eat your own while this person is literally starving. They were doing that. There was legal issues in the church. People in the church were suing each other for stuff. Alright, is this sounding problematic thus far? Um, there was all kinds of divorce rampant. There was sexual anarchy and even incest. I mean, do I need to go on? There were confusion about gender roles that Paul addressed. There, was a, there were issues of idolizing the spiritual gifts. Like every, it seemed like the majority of the church, everybody wanted the gift of tongues, and so they were fighting over that. And so everybody wanted that, and then they started shaming people that couldn't do that. And like, regardless of whatever your spiritual gift is, you don't need to shame somebody that doesn't have that gift. They were just, man, it was just... And the root problem of all this, you know what the root problem of it all was? They were lacking one thing. You know what it was? It was the four-letter word. Got your attention with that one, didn't it? That starts with L. Love. Now, imagine this. You come to church. You're with together with the church. And the pastor comes up to podium and says something like this. Good morning, church. We are all going to talk about the subject of love. How engaged are you going to be at that point? Or are you going to be, I'll tell you what I would do. I'd be like, great, where's my pillow? Because it's just so broad, right? But I think what we're going to find is that when we lack love, Everything's messed up. How many of us have had the moment in life we're busy doing all the things, taking care of this, taking care of that, taking care of this person or taking care of our family, 
we're going to work and we're, you know, we're going to play Yahtzee with our book club and you're going to do all these things. And then all of a sudden something happens and you have the moment of clarity and you're like, I'm missing the main thing. How many of us have ever been so busy and we have that moment? Maybe your kid or your grandkid climbs up on your lap and you have that profound moment of gratitude and you're like, what am I doing? Yes, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and I'm very, very busy. Maybe even I'm, I'm doing good things and maybe even I'm educating myself and those things are fine and maybe I'm going on adventures and those things are great. But if we miss this thing called love, then we miss the whole thing. Can I read you a Scripture um, to kind of set us up in 1 Corinthians 12? 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 27. The Bible says, Now you are the body of Christ. Remember, Paul is trying to pull everything back. they got all these issues. And I think the root of it is all just they've lost love. Um, like in the book of Revelation, you have left your first love. Now, you are the body of Christ. And individually, you are members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles. Apostle Paul is talking from himself. So apostles. Then you have prophets. Prophets or preachers. Third, you have teachers. People who have the gift of teaching. Then you have miracles. And miracles happen from the beginning to the end. Then you have the gifts of healing. Then you have the gifts of helping. The unsung type of gift that's not really seen. Somebody who assists maybe in a kitchen. Then you have administrating. That is not my gift, by the way. I'm just telling y'all. Then you have various kinds of tongues. You're able to speak in another language so that someone hears the Gospel of Christ. Are all apostles... Let's answer the question. Verse 29. Are all apostles... Implied answer is what? No. Are all prophets... Can everybody? Does everybody have the gift of preaching the Gospel and people actually paying attention to them? No. Are all teachers, can all eloquently open up the Word and teach it so that other people grasp it? No. Do all work miracles? Now we know in Jesus there's the miracle of salvation and there is healing that does happen, but not everyone can do that. It says, do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? The answer to each one of these is what? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Paul gives us a... a, a Permission to say, desire that. Fine. But I will show you a still more excellent way. Without love, you can have great gifts. You can have great power. And we're going to see in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have all these things. But if we are all the time scheming, and trying to get credit, and trying to make ourselves look better in the eyes of others, and trying to rise, we're losing our reward. And we're going to hear from the Apostle Paul that it doesn't profit you in the end 
anything. Can I pray this morning? Father, please help us to Lord, listen. Lord, help us to be able to pay attention to the Word of God this morning. Lord, I pray that You'd help us. Help us to love You. Lord, as You loved us, truly, God, we could never love You like You loved us. For Your Son gave His life so that we may live eternally. We thank You for the sacrifice on the cross. We thank You for this holy book, this Word that we have in front of us. May we take it seriously. May we take this Word in our heart. And may You bless us, dear God. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So chapter 13. Um, man, I forgot. I was going to capitalize on that. You got it? You got it in your head? Crazy little thing? Crazy little thing called love? And here's the thing. Um, if I were to ask you, what in the world? Um, can I walk down here? Can I walk down here? You think so? All right. Ankum. Okay. I'm watching. I'm watching you, Rick. I'm watching. So, if I were to ask you, what is love? What would you say? Give me a literal definition. Like, what do you think love is like? Hey, what's love? What would you say? Compassion? Give me another one. Okay. So sacrificial sort of thing. Give me something else. Fine? You're fine? Oh, blind. I thought you were saying you're fine. Yeah. So, in the Bible, you, you see... Uh, how many of us know the Bible was not written in English? I know that? How many of you are really glad it's written in English now? Amen? Right? So the Bible was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. So what that means is sometimes it's, it's really good to do little word studies. Like when we see a word constantly, like what it, what it means. Usually see one of four of these words in the Bible when it deals with love. So I'm going to show you, um, actually, could you put that up, the four kinds of love? Four types of love in the Bible. These are Greek words. So eros, philia, storge, and agape. So let's say it all together. Ready? Eros, philia, storge, and agape. Now how many of us know exactly what all those mean right now? We know a little bit. Can I share with you? Can, I haven't done this in a minute. Can we just nerd out for just a little bit? This is great to take screenshots of so you can um, see here in a little bit. So I'm going to show you the first one. The first one is eros. Um, nothing to be ashamed of here. Just That's exactly the word the Bible uses. Sensual, romantic love um, originated from the mythological Greek god of love, sexual desire, physical attraction, physical love. Everybody getting the snapshot, right? At least in your brain, right? If you go to the next one. Um, Eros does seek its own interest, satisfaction to possess the object of love. By the way, it's not wrong. Sometimes as church, 
We shame people that want to feel love. Nothing wrong with wanting to feel love. Amen. Right? Okay, God is very clear in the Bible that Eros love is reserved for biblical marriage. Go to the next one. I think it's the last one. Within the boundary of marriage, Eros love is to be celebrated and enjoyed as a beautiful blessing from God. Amen. Good stuff. So if you go to the next one, then we have philia. Intimate love in the Bible that most Christians practice toward each other. Greek term, powerful emotional bonds seen in deep friendships. Um, Greek term, philos, a noun meaning someone dearly loved, personal, intimate way. A trusted confidant. That's a fun word to say. Held dear in a close bond of personal affection, philia expresses experience-based love. Uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. City of what? Brotherly love. How many of you have friends that you've been through trauma with? Right? And they're still with you today. Right? Those are the kind of people you get close to, right? Do you love them? That's philia love. They're your brother. They're your sister. We talked a little bit in our introduction about the military brotherhood. Like I was, I'm not a member of the military, but several of you are, and there's just nothing like that bond. Or some, of, we have several blue line people here today. Um, we've got the emissaries here today. Y'all know what brotherly love feels like, right? It's good, isn't it? It's sacrificial. That's philia. Um, now we'll go to the next one, storge. So storge is the family love, affectionate bond develops between parents, children, brothers, and sisters. Um, Christians are members of God's family. Our lives are knit together by something stronger than physical ties. You see where we're going? The bonds of the Spirit. We are related by something more powerful than human blood. The blood of who? Jesus Christ. God calls His children to love each other with the affection and story of love. Interesting. Um, man, what Gospel is this in? When, when after the resurrection, you see Jesus on the shore, He's... Uh, Oh man, he's got a little fire or something. He's, he's baking some fish or something like that. And then the disciples, a lot of them that ran away, they come and meet Jesus, right? And I think this part of the story is all about Peter because Peter has just run away from Jesus saying, I don't know that guy. You remember that story? I don't know him. No, and he's cursing and right. He runs away. The rooster crows. He's ashamed, right? So there's this reconciliation that happens. Jesus meets Peter and he asks Peter, he says, you remember this? He says, um, hey, Peter, I can just almost picture Peter walking up to Jesus. And you know, when you have been talking about someone like any of us would actually do that, but when you've been talking about someone and then you see him face to face and you sort of position yourself like this and you don't want to look at him in the eye, by the way, we ought to pay attention to that. Amen. And I figure that's kind of what Peter looked like. It's like, hey, hey, Jesus. And, P and Jesus looking at Peter with all the love in the world says something like this. Peter, do you love me? And Jesus used the word agape. He said, do you agape or agapeo mean? Do you, do you agape me? Do you love me? And Peter used this word. He said, I, uh, I, phileo, you. I phileo you. I, phileo, I love you like a brother. Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me? I, I, phileo, I, phileo, yeah, I love you like a brother. 
And it's interesting because it's almost like he's pulling back. And Jesus is trying to get him to recognize, dude, I love you. I love you. You can love me. I forgive you. And we all have that in Christ. Amen? So how many of us are familiar with storge type love? How many of you love your kids? Man, nobody? <laughs> eh, I like them. <laughs> but... Or maybe it's I love them, but I don't always like them. This is the last kind of love, agape. Right? You see churches named after this, agape. The highest four of the four types. It defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. Divine love that comes from God. Agape love is perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, and pure. Jesus Christ demonstrated this kind of divine love to His Father and all humanity in the way that He lived and died. Agape or agapeo, the verb. You find that in John 3.16. For God so what? Love. That word is agape or agapo. God so loved the world that what did He do? He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not do what? Should not perish, but have what? Right? So you kind of get in the picture. These are the four kinds of love. You want to take a stab in the dark at what kind of love, when it says, it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, what kind of love that Paul's talking about? You want to take a guess? So Paul goes through and he's saying, hey, if I do these things, if I do this, if I don't have love, genuine love, then I'm nothing. You want to get take a guess which of those four this is talking about? It's agape. We're tempted to say, um, I think it's 1 John 4 that talks about love a lot. That, oh, well, the Bible says if people love, then they're from God. But it's agape love. See, you can have eros love. Can I be frank? Well, I'm Josh, not Frank. But can I be Frank? I don't identify as Frank. Um, you can have Eros love and participating in Eros love without God. People do it all the time. You can even have a brotherhood and be close to other people and have phileo love without God. You can even participate and storge love, husbands and wives and sons and daughters and moms and dads, we do all the time. But that agape love only comes from one place. And all of them originate from God. But humankind gets to participate in all of these things. But agape love only comes from God. So when Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he's talking about agape love. Let's look at this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, what's it say? I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Alright, so experiment or illustration. Do I have two, do I have a couple of friends here today that are, you're, you're really close friends and you could talk about anything, like on the spot? Do I have two people in here that you could just talk about anything? Y'all two? You, you want me to get them? Would y'all would you mind participating in this with me? <laughs> Ty, this is exactly how you get them to come back. What no, you have to stand up. Well, Alright, give them a hand. Alright, y'all just y'all just um y'all just y'all just stand. Like not not near me. You just 
Alright, now turn and talk and just pretend nobody exists. Just talk for a second. And just pretend like they're not there. Just start talking. Hey! See? That's a good sound, huh? Is that cool? Oh, alright. Resume talking. Resume talking. Am I awesome or what? All right, go ahead one more time. Hey! Aren't you enriched by me right now? Isn't this, am I, am I, I'm amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cool. Oh, horchata is from a Mexican restaurant. Or drink, okay. It's a rice milk, it's great. Oh, it's fantastic. Can I get an amen for horchatas? Brother? All right, y'all can sit down. Give him a hand. If I, okay, I love, it seems like Paul is, is looking square in the face of preachers and teachers right here. Right in this first verse. And he says, if I come out, and if I speak with the most eloquent words, and I am so powerful with my words, that people are like, wow, 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 you, you, oh man, just the, it's like, it's like the man has the voice of an angel. If people can say that about you, and if your head starts going like this, then guess what? You're not anything. And you gain not one thing. Amen? You see this a lot of times with the big megachurch people and all these popular teachers. And to be honest with you, I'm a little scared about listening to a bunch of those guys. Because, man, there's just so some, there's something so powerful about ego. That just, it just, we eat it up. But if, if a pastor, teacher speaks, and it's like, man, you have the, you, you, you're so powerful. But if all you, if what you're doing, even if it benefits others, and you are not doing it out of pure love in your heart, then you're just like this. You're making a noise, and to be honest with you, it's getting irritating. And even worse, what about this? Who can see right through our schemes? God can, can He? So do you think God can see if we're, if we're operating in genuine love or not? What do you think it sounds like to God whenever we're down here gloating and having a great time and all of a sudden, okay, let's, we'll just say, I preach week to week and man, let's just say, oh, I preach good sermons and all that, but every week it's like, Hot dog. Oh boy, that was a great sermon. <laughs> oh boy, I just love it. Hi, Pluto. <laughs> that was a great, oh man. And I go home at lunch and I just gloat. And I'm just like, man, that was so great. What do you think it's going to feel like to God when I go to God in prayer and be like, God, it's me. Your boy. You know I love you, right? 
Do you think God wants to hear my prayer at that point? If I'm so bloated with pride about my gift? No. And that's what I think Paul's saying. Verse number 2, look what it says. And if I have prophetic powers, in other words, I can preach the Word of God very strongly, and also I can even tell the future. If I have great prophetic powers, now be honest with you, how many, be honest all together now, how many of us would not mind being able to tell where the market's going to go in the next year? How many of you would have said um, years ago before Apple, the company Apple been, went public, if you would have known how far this thing would have shot up, would you have invested in Apple stock years ago before, you know? Maybe it would have been a good decision, right? It would be nice to have prophetic powers, let's be honest. It would be nice to foretell future events, right? It would be nice. But he says, if I have that power, and if I understand all mysteries, so like the mysteries of the Word of God, the mysteries of uh, even biological mysteries that are very difficult to find out, conspiracy theories, like what if, what if you were able, right, when you hear a conspiracy theory, to be able to tell right then and there what's true and what's not? Wouldn't you like that? I would sure like that. Because to be honest with you, I think a lot of us get sucked into that sort of thing and way too easily. On the right side and on the left side. What if you had the ability to say, this is truth and that's malarkey? Wouldn't you love to have that right then and there? I would too. If I understood all mysteries and if I had all the knowledge in the world, I can't help but picture there's a cartoon called Megamind years ago and I can just picture that man in front of me. If I had all the knowledge and if I had all faith so as to remove mountains. Now, faith healers, Deliverance ministries, a lot of those types of things are really popular now. They have been for some number of years. Why is that? Well, man, these things happen. I think it potentially, I can't, I, because I am not them, and I can't say one way or the other on a lot of things that what's true and what's not. But there is something very suspicious about ministries that garner a lot of money for the purpose of spiritual gifts. The problem with that. So, there is something so attractive about some kind of leader that looks like they have a special connection to God that like, man, that person has so much faith. And we're tempted to look at a person like that and say, well, because they have so much faith, man, they must have so much love too. Not necessarily. Because it says, if I have enough faith so that I could, rem if I could look at a mountain, alright, picture this, what if, had enough faith, and I see that mountain. What's a mountain uh, near here? What's a is it Pilot? Pilot Mountain. Okay, so can you picture Pilot? Not the gas station. Can you picture the mountain? Right, and picture this. And that thing cuts in half and it falls off into the sea. Yeah, that's right. Come at me again, mountain. Yeah, that's right. You would assume the person that has the kind of power to push a mountain off in the sea, would you assume they're connected with God somehow? Uh, yeah. But Paul even says, if you have enough faith to do something like that, 
if you, look in verse number 2, but have not love. He said, if I have the power to do that, understand mysteries and knowledge, prophetic powers, and I have all the faith that I can move a mountain, if I do not have love, if I'm not doing it for the right reason, for the, out of the goodness of my heart, for the love of all mankind, and for the love of God, I am what? Nothing. Break the, two, break the word into two. What's the two words you get out of nothing? No thing. What is no thing? Is it matter or is it not matter? It's not matter. It doesn't even exist. Right? Look at verse number 3. It says here, if I give away all I have. Is charity good? Is to give it to others, is that good? Is it even possible though? Is it possible to give to others for the wrong reasons? How? You're going the right direction. You're going the right direction. Shine that light on me. Right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. But, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. But you can look at my giving record and I've given this and this and this and this and that means something right. Not when you brag about it, don't. It would be better to give a penny in secret. If I give away... Now, giving is good, right? Should we give? Christians should give. And by the way, you look at all the records. We can talk about all the other religions in the world. But you know who gives the most? Christians. Well, I'm... Yeah. I'm talking about like Christians versus Buddhists. Christians have a record of giving. We open our hands. We open our hearts. And by the way, we ought to thank God for that. And we ought to all participate in that. Giving is not one of those things. Man, I feel like for some reason, over the years, with the tithing, shaming, and all that stuff that pastors and churches do a lot of times, giving gets a bad rap. But you know what giving is? It's a part of worship. If I can worship God with my hands, God, I love you, God, I love you, but not with that. Do I really love God with all my heart, soul, and mind? No, it's a part of worship. It's a part of you, right? Giving is good. But giving for the sake of people looking at me? Is that right or wrong? It's wrong. And this is the next level. If I deliver up my body, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, what do I gain? Alright, hold. Hold the phone. Did you see what he said? Give up my body to be burned. How do you do that without love? I, that's something you have to take up with Paul because I don't know how you do that. But it seems like th there's a slim chance, possibility, that you could even go so far as to say, I'll give my life and still not do it out of love. But you want to make a martyr for yourself and you want to be glorified and made a statue of you someday. That would be, man, how sad would that be? Right? To give your life up and not do that for the right reason. I think Paul is getting at this. The Corinthians are really messed up. They're having issues everywhere. And I think Paul's saying, Yo! Corinthians... you got all these issues, and you think, oh, and man, even now I'm thinking, I've identified with this in my life because I've done this. How many of us had, have had major problems 
and we focus on that problem, focus on that sin, that issue, or whatever it might be, and all of a sudden, because we're so fixated on this, there's another fire that pops up, and then we got to go deal with that one. And then, oh, I'm fixated on this thing for a while, and then what happens? Another one pops up. What in the world is happening? If we are not fixated on Christ, but instead on all the little things, then that's what we're going to spend our life doing. Doing all those things. That's exactly what's going on in the letter of Corinth. There's all these issues. There's all these problems. And it's like, stop! If you do not have love, this is exactly what's going to happen. Oh, well, I love you. Not like a brother. Oh, well, I love you. Eros. Oh, well, I love you. Like family. Storge. No! You need to agape. Have agape. That type of love that looks at somebody square in the face that hates your guts. And you can say, man, I know you do, but in Jesus Christ, I love you. I hope you find God someday. You can't do that without God. You can do, have Eros, you can have Philea, you can have Storge, but you cannot have Agape without Jesus Christ. And that's the difference. So how many of us would say today, that's what I need in my life? I know I would. In Jesus Christ, you have access to that. And we, I think it's easy for us to, to shirk it all off and say, well, I have love. I love my sister. She's ugly. But I love her. Man, I, I love my brother. He sure is an idiot. But I love him. That, that moron, I love him. I love my babies. I'm not going to say anything about your babies. I love my daddy. I love my mama. Great, I'm glad you do. But we all should love our ditties. We all should love our mamas. But the love of Christ transcends the love of mother, father. The love of Christ can even love somebody who hates you. How many of us know that we're Christians, but we still struggle with that? Hey, thank you so much for listening. It, it means the world to me that you would take the time to listen to our sermons. If, you, if you'd like to connect with us, shoot us an email at office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. That's office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. Or just come by for a service in person, 1030 a.m. Sunday mornings. Address is 1562 Mill Creek Road, Roxboro, North Carolina. Uh, I would love to meet you in person, and um, I guess that's all for now. So don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcast if you would, kindly. We pray that you'd have a great day. Uh, for Hope Church Mill Creek, I'm Pastor Josh. Grace and peace.